If I tell you, hey, there's a building on fire, send help, what pops into your head? You're probably thinking of firefighters sliding down poles or maybe a fire truck racing out of a station, sirens blaring. You're probably not picturing a bunch of firefighters just hanging out in the back of that truck, stuck in midday traffic. Cars were unable to move out of their way in order for them to arrive on the scene. And so traffic is still one of the number one complaints in many cities across the country. It doesn't matter where you come from. You think your traffic is pretty bad in your local city. And so we know that local governments uh, are absolutely trying to figure out how do they improve traffic in their cities. That's Nick Nylon, Director of Public Sector Product Development at Verizon. He spent time with firefighters and learned that they tend to know their local streets better than anyone else in the community. But once they're on those streets, they don't have many other tools to get them to the fire as quickly as possible or know what to expect once they get there. They use commercial navigation systems that we use on our smartphones. Having real-time access updates to traffic on the way, road closures, things like that, is only as good as we in the consumer space generally have. So they knew exactly where the fire was coming from. They knew exactly what the building's address was. But on the way to the scene, the feedback that the firefighters gave me was that they sit in the, the engine on the way to the building. They don't always know exactly what the traffic looks like for them. And so they gave me examples of times where they ran into traffic problems and all they could do was sit there. This is Networked, the 5G future, a podcast from Verizon and T-Brand. I'm Christina Warren. As a reporter and analyst, I've spent years covering how technology changes the way we work, play, and connect online. Throughout the series, I'm learning how this new generation of wireless technology could pave the way for some major advances in every part of our lives, from education to healthcare to music. In this episode, I'm learning about improvements to how we map our cities and towns, and how 5G could make the space around us more responsive to our real-time needs. When I spoke to Nick Nylon about the challenges that firefighters have to overcome, I was thinking about traffic flow and how quickly first responders need to move from point A to point B. But Nick showed me that a lot of what he deals with is information flow and helping first responders and their dispatchers improve what he calls situational awareness. Situational awareness is essentially knowing what's going on around you in every possible way, whether it's before you arrive on scene or when you're already on scene, of knowing what's happening. And we think about it in two ways. One is more situational awareness for that first responder. How do we get them more information if they need it or want it at that moment? And then also, how do we get that information back to their headquarters or back to a dispatcher so that as the situation changes, they can change their response. For a firefighter, this information can include structural details about the building that's on fire and what's going on with the people inside and around the building. Are there crowds out front? Is there a commotion out front that's gonna impact uh, the ability to, to arrive on scene effectively? Where is the local fire hydrant? Is that blocked? Are there flames already coming out of the building? Is there smoke that's visible? Every emergency is unique and every second matters. So the thought that a team of firefighters could be sitting in traffic, waiting to get onto the scene before they can come up with a plan of action, sets off all kinds of alarm bells for Nick. 
We know this information is out there. We know we can arrive on scene with more information. We know there's downtime in the engine. And so how do we make sure that uh, we can leverage the information, we can get it into the hands of our first responders before they arrive on scene? Then, once firefighters do reach the scene, there are innovative tech tools that help them do the job, like infrared cameras or augmented reality displays. But for now, these tools aren't really portable or reliable enough for them to depend on. The only two ways that they have today of actually navigating a smoke-filled building uh, is either with their hands and actually feeling the walls of the building to be able to move forward, or with a handheld device that shows where there's walls, where there's potential victims, where there's hot spots. But it's a pretty heavy device that they bring into the, the fire itself. And then lastly, the solution around augmented reality or heads-up displays. That's possible today, but the problem is is you need a lot of local compute to be able to support many of the heads-up displays and augmented reality that exist today. These are items where we are in discussions with fire departments across the country, firefighters of every rank, to talk about how do we leverage technology in the right ways to improve these uh, critical areas of the response. A 5G network could lead to major breakthroughs in how first responders or just regular people with smartphones navigate our cities and towns. To look into the future of 5G-enabled cities, I called Elise Neal, Vice President of New Business Incubation at Verizon. My team houses industry experts in location technology, in aerial and terrestrial robotics, aviation services, digital space management, and a bunch of other emergent technologies Ultimately, our responsibility is to look into a crystal ball. So what are we doing to uncover the unmet, unknown needs of customers three to 10 years from now? Before we got into the weeds, I thought it would help to just step back and understand the basics. After all, 5G is the fifth generation of wireless. So I asked Elise what could make it different from the past four networks that we've come to rely on. If you go back and you think about 1G, Way back in the day, 1G gave us kind of mobile phones. It gave us the ability to have a conversation and audio components over a network. 2G introduced text messaging. So now we have audio and we have text. 3G is like the Palm Pilot BlackBerry generation. So that began to put the internet into our pockets. And 4G made all of that fast enough for mobile applications, right? It really is the on-demand, higher data rate, and kind of real-time personalization of the internet. It's funny because actually when I think back on my past phones and what's happened over the years, what I mostly remember is that stuff has gotten faster. I've been able to download more things. And I know that 5G is being rolled out across the country right now, and it's going to take some time to build on the new network. So now could we fast forward and talk about the future state of 5G in cities? Like, let's paint a picture of what kind of changes we could potentially look forward to and what will stand out from what we've experienced in the past. So 5G isn't just kind of the next G on your phone. In addition to massive speeds and massive throughput, it also brings additional capabilities, a massive impact on how we live, how we learn, and how we work and play. So your next question would be, that sounds great. Like, what are these additional capabilities? Exactly. So some of them, right? So some of them are energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. So this is the ability for the network to use 90% less power than it currently does today. I don't know about you, but like charging my devices every night, I forget it all the time. And so I think about those problems potentially going away. 
Verizon's 5G ultra wideband allows you to maintain a sticky connection at 350 miles per hour. It is mind blowing. Wow. And I just, I'm dying to talk to NASCAR and Formula One to say, how is this going to transform the game? I think it's going to be profound. I think about ultra low latency. So five milliseconds of latency across the network. It's about a hundred times faster than the blink of an eye. I don't know if you're getting it, but I'm super excited (laughs) because this isn't just another step function. It is something kind of altogether new. We really see 5G providing this technical backbone for the future to draw upon. It ultimately is an invitation to kind of explore and to innovate, which is what we're just so excited about here. And what what got you interested in your field of work? Ultimately, I believe my superpower is that I'm a builder and I'm incessantly curious, but I'm not the girl who took apart her computer in the 80s to kind of find out how it worked inside. Instead, I'm the girl who studied dance and art and have found that this discovery in kind of the intermixing of the humanities and technology has created this sweet spot for me. I do have to ask you, do you still dance? I do. So I'm a former professional tap dancer. Wow. Music uh, music makes me go. So yes. That's awesome. Shifting gears a little bit, although I, you know what, I think that we could say that dance could be a form of transportation, at least if you do it the right way. <laughs> I like that. Yes. <laughs> but, but when someone thinks about transportation getting smarter, especially around cities, What do you think that they're talking about? Protection, personalization, and play. When we think about protection, I would say first it's about this kind of near real-time data transmission that's going to promote enhanced public safety and security. So when I think about our first responders, they're going to get that vital information about incidents and know whether personnel is en route or already on site. These innovations also help cities manage energy and control carbon emissions. So we think about protection, kind of this first category. It is both protecting humans and assisting our um, treasured first responders, as well as kind of the assets that, um, that we have been given, you know, as a part of Mother Earth. And outside of protection, I then think about personalization. What does the city need to do so that Christina can have the best citywide experience? And so in those customizations around where do you park, how do you get most easily to your destination, and how do we come up with a suite of services that addresses your needs, Christina, as you come into the city, as well as millions of others? And then ultimately, why do we like to come to cities? We come to cities to work, but we also come to play. Ultimately, if I go back to my roots, the most exciting thing is when I go to a live performance, a live concert of sorts. I want the opportunity to engage with the artist and with the dancers and with the performance and with the backstories. Who is the choreographer? And what are those dance moves? And can I learn them by myself at home? I want to understand who created that costume. I now can sit and explore and engage with my friends and with those around me and with other fans and all that's kind of coming to life. So protection, personalization, and play. I think this 5G automated city has a lot to offer. But when we think about some of the broader challenges, you know, just affecting transportation, traffic, all the ways we get around, then what kind of impact could we expect from 5G? I think about the accuracy front in particular, it will accelerate this vehicle to everything communication. And so I would hold loosely the term vehicle because we're talking about machines, truly. I think about these machines kind of giving them sight. So just like how you and I see and interpret and then decision in real time, when I'm walking towards you on the street, I decide whether or not I want to run into you, move to the right, move to the left, or give you a hug. 
if you believe that we will have a world where humans and machines truly interact and live uh, cohesively together, we need to provide that situational awareness. I have to say, like, I have a personal experience. Not long after I moved to Seattle, I was crossing the street and a car just came sailing through and hit me. Oh, no. And I, I was hit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I was hit by a car. I was literally thrown under a bus. Um, uh, fortunately, it was parked. It was stopped. So that was lucky. Um, I, I only broke my wrist. And, you know, and I, w- I was okay, all things considered. But I think about that all the time. And every time I cross the street, I'm always, you know, super hyper aware of, like, what's going on around me. Well, first, that is a horrific experience. And so I'm sorry that you had to go through it. But it really does give an accurate example, like a real-life human example of some of the problems that we're facing as we have densification of cities, densification of our population. We've got to just orient ourselves better together. And the time difference between you walking out into that crosswalk and that car zooming through and, and hitting you is probably seconds. Yeah. This is where we get to that five milliseconds of low latency, that 100 times faster than a blink of an eye. You need to know instantaneously, stop, Don't go any further. And the vehicle also needs to apply that brake immediately because the way that you and I decision in our brains is also slower than five milliseconds of latency, right? Right. How do we have those override functions over the network so that the network can help us stay safer? So it begins to apply the brakes to the vehicle immediately, and it also communicates to your phone in real time, stop now with a vibration or a large alert that says, this is not safe any longer to cross, just hold right there for a second, and then we'll deal with the speeding car. So I think about low latency, and I think about all of that data being processed with massive amounts of people and pedestrians and bicycles and those barriers, as well as the vehicles all coordinating and talking to one another together. We have an opportunity to get there faster and to get the information that we need in a more readily available way. All right, Elise, that was amazing. I learned so much and uh, I will talk to you later and like keep dancing, right? Thanks so much. We'll speak soon. As the world around us becomes more interconnected through 5G, we have the chance to go from seeing information on our phones about buildings and streets to interacting with these spaces in a way that's tailored to each of us individually. But what kind of mapping technology do we need to make that kind of interaction not only possible, but completely normal? I'll find out after the break. Verizon 5G Edge is the world's first mobile edge computing platform with AWS Wavelength, and it's rolling out in select cities around the country. It's built right, so faster speed and ultra-low latency now come to mobile and connected devices, paving the way for a wide range of transformative applications. The implications for rapid innovation are staggering, and now businesses and developers can harness its power, today and into the future. Verizon 5G Edge is here from the network businesses rely on. Welcome back to Networked, the 5G future. I'm Christina Warren. Nick Nyland and Elise Neal helped me understand the future possibilities of navigation on a 5G network. And if we're going to realize these possibilities, we're going to need a fundamentally new kind of map. Really, a map is is a cube. And so that technology disruption is happening today with more and more data, more and more complex geometry and digital representation of the world. And all of this changes radically uh, the space of location technology. That's Hervé Uteza, the chief of data strategy at HERE Technologies. HERE is using Verizon's 5G network and mobile edge computing platform to remake the building blocks of digital mapping. Our mission is to really bring improvement 
in location intelligence by way of a better geometry of the world, a more precise geometry of the world. For example, the street signs that one day will be able to be all modified on demand to ensure that this ambulance is able to find what we call in the industry the green wave, which means the wave of all the green lights that can be triggered automatically to modify the traffic around the city and make the city less congested, safer, and, and functioning better. Okay, so just to be clear, how exactly are we defining location intelligence? When you talk about location intelligence, you're really talking about two pieces of, of defining location data. There is geometry data of the world, and that will be uh, what people think of traditionally as the map. And then there's the movement of the objects of the world. So when you say geometry data, I'm understanding that to mean a map of the world, right? So for here technologies, where does that data come from and what's different about how you gather it? It's an endeavor. We are the largest aggregator of geometry data. Uh, We have more than 100,000 data sources. We work with many, many companies in the industry. We collect our own data. We have a fleet of cars that are equipped with uh, lasers. We drive the world. We make digital models of the world. And we do that at scale across 200 countries. And circling back, you also mentioned the movement of objects. Tell me more about that. How does movement data work with geometry data? And what does that achieve? Well, you can have a movement of a phone. You can have the movement of a crate on a truck. But you don't know where it is. That location data is really a set of coordinates that needs to be matched to what is around you. And this is where the geometry of the world comes into play. Now you can actually know whether the truck made a stop at this uh, Shell or Chevron station. You know whether the bridge height that the truck is going to go under is too low for the truck, and therefore you need to reroute the truck because you could break both the truck and the bridge. So when you talk about object detection or collision avoidance, how does 5G help with those solutions? Well, we have not only uh, uh, talked about it, but we have also proven it with our friends at Verizon. And and we have showcased some uh, proof of concepts, some projects to integrate uh, the 5G network to a car Uh, that is using a phone, and it's a small piece of software that is able to recognize what's on the road. It recognizes a car. It recognizes a pedestrian, a human passing. It recognizes a construction cone. And that recognition then sends the message to the network over the 5G link, and the network will then send back an alert message with millisecond latency into the driving or moving object But now imagine that you want to send an alert to other 5G Verizon network-powered objects, and now you're getting into a collision avoidance micro-community, if you will, that is able to be self-sustaining. So ultimately, 5G and location come together to bring more safety in a a micro-location sense of the term. All of this can happen in a very localized part of the network. Okay, so as you've been working hands-on with Verizon 5G, what are the new developments that get you excited? Like, what's one way that we'll start to see the capabilities of this 5G network start to change our day-to-day lives? We'll see it when we start seeing a a phone maker actually put a front-facing camera 
at the edge of the phone, not at the back face of the phone, but at the edge, because people have a tendency to walk around with their phone in their hand, horizontal. Imagine now that you actually see a camera facing you, and suddenly you see the world superimposed with augmented reality powered by 5G, because now suddenly you have very low latency, you can recognize the world, you can turn around your hand very, very easily. That is from a consumer perspective, from an individual perspective, going to open up completely novel ways to think about what the map and the world actually is. Now suddenly your phone, instead of looking at it in your hand, you start pointing the camera and you put your phone upwards and you look at the world. Okay. That's really futuristic and I love it. <laughs> I leave you with that. But ultimately, the moment when you start having superimposition of information to what you see, suddenly reality starts taking a new shape. It's no longer going to be what your eye sees, but it's what your phone, your favorite application, your favorite social app enables you to know about the world around you. Hervé, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you, Christina, for having me. It was a pleasure sharing with you a little bit about uh, technology, location, and 5G. This transition from a 2D map that happens to be on a phone to a 3D map that's continuously connected to everything around us is revolutionary. It's also part of a bigger change that Verizon 5G could bring to our cities and towns, connecting us more deeply to the places where we live, work, and thrive. You can listen to every episode of Networked, The 5G Future, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to know more about how innovators are exploring how to harness the power of Verizon 5G, check out the new documentary, Speed of Thought, on Amazon Prime Video or speedofthoughtfilm.com. I'm Christina Warren. Thanks for listening. Verizon just turned on 5G across the country with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. 5G ultra-wideband is so fast, you can download an album in seconds. Verizon 5G won't just change how your phone works. It will change everything. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Global claim based on open signal independent analysis during the period January 31st through April 30th, 2020.